0: Welcome to the Crack House Chronicles, your favorite true crime podcast. I am Donnie, and with me is a man that finds it very ironic that it takes twelve steps to get a beer out of his fridge. It's Dale.
1: <laughs> well, if you walk, you know, a little longer stride, it don't take quite as many.
0: Well, is that your program, twelve step program? I
1: got about an eight step.
0: Eight step. <laughs> yeah. Do you get there quicker with eight steps?
1: Yeah, yeah, I do. You do? I do. Yeah. Okay. Actually, probably about the same for whoever's shorter than me it takes twelve
0: okay yeah. do you get one beer at a time do you grab two and just have one for a few minutes later or depends just... on what i'm doing okay
1: if i'm grilling i got two for sure
0: you got two one yeah. one in the one on deck
1: i got i got a cup that holds two so i'm good to go <laughs> Safe. safe trips i hear you bud <laughs> it's a crack house cup man that's it Fill what's it going up. on dude you same no. old same old same old same old actually it's not it's a good day
0: it is a very good day that's right we're recording
1: we are recording. We are recording. We're back with our friends and family, aren't
0: we? We are. <laughs>
1: What's up, guys? What's going on, dudes? Good to be back. Good to be back. We are. Got some good stuff going on today. We are. And we got a few things to talk about. Pre show. We got some we uh, good
0: shout outs for us, bud. We do. Look at this. Ooh.
1: Yeah. How about that? How about it? First, you guess where we're going? We're going all the way to Edinburgh. That's over in Scotland. Is that across the pond? That's a way across the pond. Oh. Yeah. And this came in, uh, I think, today, actually, from uh, Princess Smith. It's a five-star uh, Facebook recommendation. Five-star. Five-star. Yeah, the boy. It says, I uh, love listening to this true crime podcast. Came across it not too long ago, and I'm already on episode 112. Wow. No doubt. you got to slow down. we got to make them faster. Yeah. <laughs> or, just, up. or just listen to them and then go back and start over. You can do that. Yeah. Anyway, listen to it all the time. Dale and Donnie both do a great job. Highly recommended all the way from Edinburgh and Scotland.
0: Oh, thank you very much, Princess that, that,
1: Smith. That, that there is that uh, Edinburgh over there in Scotland, boy. Yeah.
0: That's
1: some good stuff going on over it there. It is. And we appreciate that. Thank you so much.
0: Thank you a whole bunch.
1: And we got one over on the, the Apple podcast. Five stars review gimmick five star thank you thank you uh, this comes from ac brooksy uh main one since day one i'm pretty sure i've been listening to these guys since at least uh 10 episodes maybe even five actually so you've been here for a while yes i'm kind of paraphrasing anyway uh anyway you obviously have gotten better after the final two winners i think that's me and you have taken over but the two two of you have stayed true to who you are and i love the, i love the jokes but also the no nonsense and the, the to the point telling of the stories y'all do an amazing job
0: well we try to stay true to who we are
1: yeah Yeah. whatever that is
0: yeah we don't (laughs) we don't change things up we stay the same and try to keep things going like they are
1: we're just us man if you got a good
0: thing why change it
1: it's the real deal we just come in here and turn it on and do it yeah i ain't trying to be nobody that's right i'm just me
0: that's right i'm just me (laughs)
1: if ain't good enough then i guess i am
0: yeah yeah (laughs) if it ain't good enough then listen to somebody else but if anybody wants to be like these fine folks and give a recommendation, five-star. We and appreciate it. Yeah, whatever you listen to, if it allows it.
1: Yes. Five, click it. Five-stars and, and subscribes and likes and shares and tell your friends and all that stuff.
0: Yes, we appreciate it a whole bunch. Yeah, man. Because, yeah. you know,
1: it's kind of funny. We worked with a guy for a long time, and he never realized that we did this, and now we do it, and he's a big fan. Yeah. And we appreciate you. Thank you, yeah. Larry. And you even got a shirt and all kind of stuff. So. Yeah,
0: he's just a big fan. he comes by and talks to us and just... <laughs> Man, I had no idea. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Love it, man. And he always asks questions. I'm like, just keep listening to the podcast. You'll Or go back and listen to the old episodes, and you'll find out stuff. That's right. So we'll, <laughs> we'll drop little hints every once in a while on things we do and, yeah. and things how things are.
1: But it's really cool. Yeah. So, anyway, we appreciate all you guys. We really do. That's enough savvy shit. Let's get to it.
0: All right. We got a pretty interesting case today, Dale. Yes, we do. Yeah, it's not
1: as... We're going to, well, I was going to say we're going to gear it back from last week, but hell, anything's gearing it back from
0: last week. Yeah, but this is still tragic, and it's... It's, it's very tragic. Yeah it's, yeah, it's tragic, and it's sad, and it's, just, it's rough, but um, this one's unsolved, so it, it, it definitely needs to be done. Yeah. Yeah. But today, we are talking about Karina Breanne Saunders. Yes. Yeah. Now, Karina was born on July the 17th, 1992. Near Mustang, Oklahoma. Right. To parents Margie Queen and Richard Saunders. Now, Karina, she was the oldest of nine children. Nine? Nine. She was the oldest of nine. Hmm. And she was described by her parents to be able to stand out from the crowd. She was described as being bright and funny, and she had a knack for putting a smile on anyone's face. Right. That was what her father, Richard, had later recalled. And he also quoted saying, Karina was always full of smiles and joy. She was probably one of the most giddy kids you would have ever seen in your life. Hmm. Pretty, pretty good quote there. Yeah, no doubt. Now, like I said, Karina lived with her family there in Mustang, Oklahoma, and she attended the town's only high school, which was Mustang High. Mustang High. Yeah. And there she was known for constant singing and eventually was given a spot in the Honors Choir. And she was studying opera. Yeah, she
1: was really smart.
0: Yeah, studying. To, to, she was wanting to be an opera singer.
1: But mm-hmm. she also had planned like she was going to fall back to be an accountant or something like that. You know, so she was really smart. I think she had won a couple uh, spelling bees and then some other uh, math stuff too. Right. Yeah,
0: the region's top mathlete. Right. Yeah, yeah and so, she, she also won a statewide tournament in accounting. Which Pretty impressive, you know? Very impressive. Very smart kid. So she always had
1: something to fall back on if she didn't make it as her professional exactly.
0: opera singer. Yep. And Karina always had a knack for making friends where she went and had a goofy sense of humor and was able to make most anyone laugh at, at a moment's notice.
1: Pretty good stuff. That's good quality,
0: man. It is very good quality. Now, in 2010, Karina graduated from Mustang High School a year early. So that tells you right there how smart she was. Yeah. And Dale, at this point, she was wanting to enter adulthood. But things started going sideways for Karina. By 2011, she was beginning to struggle with some substance abuse. Yeah, I think
1: she got into smoking weed and then kind of graduated it up, per se, from that to a little harder stuff, which is not good.
0: Nope. And that (laughs) summer, she actually went to rehab to get herself back straight to try to get going again with her life.
1: Yeah, she had got pretty bad on meth, I believe, actually is what it was, you mm-hmm. know, and pretty strung out. And I don't even know if she was living at home or on the streets. It was just a, a bad, bad, bad part, uh, part in her life. And then she did was able to pull herself out of it, went to rehab, and then was come back, you know, to doing pretty well, actually.
0: Mm-hmm. And she actually noticed that she was having this problem so she checked herself in right. she, so that was very good of her to try to do that
1: yeah, and when she came back you know friends just noticed how good she looked and she was back to her old self
0: yep now on september the 18th of 2011 karina was 19 years old and fresh out of rehab and her mother margie margie queen margie queen saw her and later said that karina seemed to be doing much better for the first time after graduating high school, she seemed to be on the right track once right. again. Yeah. yeah, doing good. And Karina and her mother attended church that, that day. Yeah, And this was um, Margie's local Nazarene church. Mm-hmm. And Karina even posted about it on her social media. Yeah, sure um, did. How she had got a blessing from it and, and accepted the Lord into her life. That's right. Yeah, so she was—seemed like she was really wanting to change and start doing better. But now social media— was how Karina and her family kept up with one another.
1: Yeah, she didn't have a phone, which no, she, is kind of surprising. She didn't
0: have a cell phone at all. This is 2011. Yeah, and so. she didn't have a license or a vehicle.
1: Yeah, didn't drive. No. Which that that to me is not as rare nowadays as the phone thing. You know, because you know we were coming up. You, it was like 15 years old and 363 days. You was <laughs> jumping at the bed to get them licenses. Yeah, the, years, the day you hit 16. Counting it down. Yeah, yeah. Nowadays, eh, yeah, kids care less.
0: That's right. Yep. Kind,
1: of, kind of odd. Well, most of them, anyway, will not speak for all of
0: them. But that's how they used to keep up with uh, Karina. Right. And it was later that day, on September eighteenth, two 2011, Karina and her mother, Margie, said goodbye to one another. Mm-hmm. And it was little more than a week later, on September the 28th, Karina would post on social media for the last time.
1: Well, she was living with her cousin. Yes. And uh, her cousin and on uh,
0: her name was Catherine.
1: thank you i was uh, looking anyway they were more kind of like sisters really than just cousins. so it's kind of like she was so they had moved in together and that's where she was
0: staying yeah all right but uh Karina posted on her facebook just a simple question what's everybody doing tonight mm-hmm. and it just didn't get many responses at all just got a few yeah but that would be her last post on any social media and about a week after that her family they got concerned about Karina's safety. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now that day, September the twenty eighth, two thousand eleven, the Catherine and Karina they went to a Taco Bell, which was alongside Interstate forty, near an intersection along Rockwell Avenue. And at the time, Karina was wearing a white muscle shirt and gray Victoria's Secrets pants, with the name with well, a the brand name Pink that was printed on the back. Right. Yeah. Seen him yeah. Everybody's seen them, <laughs> and despite arriving at the Taco Bell together, Karina and Catherine weren't leaving together. No, she was
1: just taking her pair to meet a guy, I
0: think. Yeah, Karina was going to be leaving with an acquaintance of hers. This was an older guy named Kenny, right? Who Karina had told some family members and friends about.
1: When we say older, we mean like 40 something,
0: yes. <laughs> so,
1: no, not like just a couple years older than her, it's no, a 40 something year old
0: guy. going to pick up this 19 year old, yeah, guy. not good at all. And according to some people that were familiar with this, Kenny, who was later identified as Kenny Richards, he was involved with Karina in some sort of sex worker scheme, Dale. Right. And some people have implied that he was her pimp. Yeah. But Karina told others he was just going to make her a porn star. Yeah. And in the following months, Kenny would be accused at one point of making a nude video of Karina and even soliciting her for prostitution. Right.
1: Yeah, now, I don't know if any of this has been proven or not, but a lot of this is...
0: This is what some of her... her yeah, I mean... Her friends have said, right, right? Right, right, Now, this Kenny Richards would later testify that he had picked up Karina that afternoon at the Taco Bell and told police that the two hung out together for a while before he dropped her off at an apartment complex in Bethany, Oklahoma. Right. But to his credit, he seemed to have been telling the truth, Dale. Yeah. Yeah. But after being dropped off at this apartment complex in Bethany, and this was just outside of Oklahoma City, uh, this began a period of more than a week in which Karina's whereabouts became unknown. Now, more than a week after Karina was seen by her cousin Catherine, a former high school friend saw her at this apartment complex yeah. he lived at. Right. And this friend, who has been referred to as Keegan, yeah. that's all we know as Keegan,
1: yeah, now, you know, she ran into Keegan at the apartment complex, and uh, we watched a documentary with this, and uh, he was on there, and uh, he was talking about how she looked, you know, fairly fairly thin when he saw her, and he said that uh, he was walking up the thing, and he heard someone yell at him looked, and it was her, and he hadn't seen her in years, and he uh, went to her and was talking to her and stuff, and he was just joking around and goes, dang, when's the last time you And She goes, eh, I think it was like, Yesterday at breakfast, so he actually invited her up to his apartment and uh, gave her, made her some hot pockets for for lunch. Yeah. When he ran into her, she was sweeping the the steps off and said she was staying with the handyman there and his kid just in helping him do some work to kind of pay off being able to stay with him. Now, whether that was true or not, he don't know. He just said that's what she told Mm -hmm. him. So we ended up making her some food and let her sit around and said she had – she made a joke she had like this little drawstring bag that she had all her possessions in. All
0: her worldly possessions, what she said, yeah.
1: Yeah, so she – he actually went and – Got a, a, it was like a green Nike duffel bag that he had, and give it to her. He said, "You know, I'm. If you're going to be out here and you're on the road, you need something a little safer to keep all yeah. your stuff in." So he actually did that. But after that, I think he he hadn't seen her. Yeah. After that day.
0: Yeah, Karina. She was into this transient lifestyle.
1: Yeah. Lifestyle deal. Yeah. yeah probably where she didn't want to do or not. I figured she's already back on the, back on the stuff.
0: While the timeline of Keegan's encounter with Karina was pretty loose, we know that. She was alive at least on October the 8th of 2011. Right. Now, that day, it was a Saturday, and Karina would be spotted on CCTV footage from outside a Newcastle casino gaming center roughly 20 miles south of Bethany, Oklahoma. Now, in this footage, Karina is seen getting into a red truck, and it was described as a large four-door Ford pickup truck with a brush guard and lights on the top you know that roll bar yeah they used to people used to do on their trucks
1: So four-wheeler man
0: yeah and it looked like a group of men were inside the pickup truck right but only one could be described
1: yeah it's because he actually got out of the truck yeah yeah
0: and his uh he was arms were covered in tattoo sleeves yeah
1: yeah now this part here kind of bugs me because you can't tell me this damn casino they got what one camera Come on, man.
0: Yeah, it blows my mind.
1: But even in that documentary, it said to this day, they've never released an actual photo of the truck. Can you tell me why they would do that? I don't know. They had a picture of one It was would be the same, it was the same model, and as far as they know. You know, they, showed, they uh, showed a picture of that. But they said to this day that they've never released the actual picture of the truck. And that they just blows my the, mind.
0: They why? need to release the photo of the truck and the guy with the tattoo sleeves. Yeah.
1: That just blows my mind. Why, why keep it? Exactly. I don't understand.
0: Yeah. And put out there can you identify this right today i mean do it do it today people i mean i don't want to get in the weeds here but that's well, yeah. like that kind
1: of drives me
0: nuts but now according to the descriptions of this footage which shows karina getting into the truck a dark vehicle is parked nearby right and in that car is a group of young women who they say were pleading with karina not to get in the pickup truck right
1: so and nothing's been said about that no i mean besides this this little bit of information right here
0: now, to this day, it is unknown who any of these individuals are.
1: Yeah, the man, the men, the truck, the car, the women in the car, that vehicle. I mean, None of on. these people. You mean, you've mean you been to a casino before. they got 11 million cameras in that place. Oh, yeah. And I'm sure they got more than one in the damn parking lot.
0: Yep. Come on. But the, identi- the identities of these men and women would more than likely fill in many of the gaps Right. from Karina's story. Yeah. I mean, hell, that's
1: the last time you see her, I think. Exactly. That, that, you know, the, her getting in that truck.
0: They need, to, they need to post this stuff. They need to let this stuff out. Yeah. And the very next day, this was Sunday, October the 9th, 2011, Karina's cousin, the one, the Catherine we mentioned, her name was Catherine Joe Bloodworth. She received a threatening text message that seemed to indicate something had happened to Karina. This is weird. Yeah. Now, Catherine was texted by a young man named Kyle Savage, who had known Karina for around two years but police would later determine that Karina and Kyle had been exchanging text messages in the preceding weeks but on this day Kyle seemed to be uh threatening physical violence against Karina and Catherine and one in particular text message read i'm going to bury you next to Karina yeah that's 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 threatening and
1: that's just scary. Yeah, that is. Especially at this point when you don't even know anything she's even missing.
0: Yep. Really. I mean But we gotta it. keep we gotta keep in mind too that Karina was using Catherine's phone a lot to yeah, she didn't have one. send messages and stuff, like we said. Yeah. Yeah.
1: because yeah, she didn't have nothing to let her get on a laptop or something and use her messengers and all she had, as far yep. I know.
0: Yeah. Now this guy, Kyle Savage, would later claim that the text messages were misconstrued and taken out of context. How do you take that out of context? I
1: don't know. Leslie was a lot more than what's being released. I'm
0: going to bury you next to Karina. That sounds pretty. <laughs> it's pretty straightforward to yeah me. exactly. Yeah. <laughs> he stated that he had no idea he was texting Karina's cousin, but thought it was another guy, perhaps a romantic rival. Right. Saying only that he had felt threatened and lashed out. With a harsh sounding text.
1: So you think maybe she had got a he had got a text from her, and he thought maybe it was her boyfriend's phone. Could have. I mean, that's the only thing that makes any sense as far as from his angle. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't. I don't know.
0: It's just that's weird. Sounds pretty pretty straightforward, like you said. <laughs> yeah.
1: But even if it was toward a male rival, why in the hell would he say that? i'm gonna bury you next to her
0: yeah it's still threatening
1: unless he's like saying i'm gonna kill you both because at this point that's just uh bad. you got real bad timing <laughs> yeah okay go ahead
0: yeah but later on kyle would be unable to fully answer these questions about these texts simply stating <laughs> yeah. they were poorly timed and not incriminating like we said yeah but nonetheless Catherine shared these text messages with uh Carina's mother margie queen
1: Okay, so she shared text messages. So there's more than that one line. That's what she said. So that's why he's saying taken out of context. Yes. I would love to see all of it.
0: I would too. Okay. But Catherine seemed uh, affected by this enough to share it with her mother, Margie. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, the following day, this was October the 10th, a day that Margie remembers quite distinctly. And it was Columbus Day. Right. And she was off work from her job because she was a postal worker. And Margie... Filed a missing persons report for Karina, but throughout the day, Margie would haul around Karina's baby brother, the youngest son, who was just three years old at the time, and they hung up posters around the area, and she began reaching out to Karina's known friends and family members.
1: Yeah, she was busting her ass. Yeah, she really was the only one at this point.
0: Yeah, hoping that some of them could shed some light on where Karina was. You know,
1: and I'm sure having a child that's got a problem like this, and you just do what you can for them and Hope for the best, you know, but you know, just worry to death.
0: Yeah, but Margie knew something was wrong. Yeah, I'm saying. And Karina had not posted on social media in more than a week. Mm. And several of her best friends had been out of contact with her for close to a month. And when Margie had gone to report Karina missing, police officers would note that she was, quote, terrified that something had happened to her daughter, Mm -hmm. unquote. Now, we're moving to October the 13th of 2011, and there was a discovery made behind the Homeland Grocery Store. This was not too far away from where Karina had said bye to her cousin Catherine at the Taco Bell. And they were out there behind this store. There was a animal rescue group, and they were trying to trap some feral cats yeah. that had been discovered. And they were back there looking around, and they found a black duffel bag with a foul odor emanating from it. Yeah. And they phoned the police. Yeah, because they kind of knew that. It's something they don't need to be messing with. Yeah. And when the police got there, they discovered that the black duffel bag was sitting beside another smaller laundry bag. And like I said, a foul odor was coming from both of them. Yeah, not good. Yep. And there was an examination of the interior of the bags, and they revealed it was pretty gruesome. Yeah. Yeah. It was the decapitation and dismemberment of 19-year-old Karina Saunders.
1: Yeah, which they didn't know at the beginning. They no, just, they didn't they know that. They just knew it was the body parts.
0: Yeah. Yeah, not good. But they had sent the body parts off and be examined. Yes. But her body parts had been individually cut and then wrapped in plastic and then stored inside these bags. Right. Her head and neck were inside the smaller laundry bag, and her other body parts, like her legs and arms, were in the larger duffel bag. Yeah, it's pretty pretty gruesome. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and according to the autopsy reports, inside the bag marked number one, which would have been the smaller laundry bag, but it, I don't think it's going to be too small. Yeah, when we first got into this, we thought that the bags were the ones she was carrying and uh, the one Keenan had given her, but it definitely weren't, which is uh, good, because, man, I could imagine you giving somebody a duffel bag and then find out they found her in it. Can you imagine how later. Keegan failed? Right. In in uh, bag number one, in, in fact, that the stuff you, know, you said was uh, wrapped in plastic. It's kind of ironic, and it's kind of sad that actually the the bag that her head was wrapped up in actually was one of those that had the like the warning thing on it. It's like says like to avoid suffocation, keep this bag away from babies and children. Do not use this bag in a crib, a bed, a carriage, or a playpen. This bag is not a toy.
0: How crazy is that?
1: It's 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 crazy and it's sad and it's ironic and it's awful. <laughs> That's screwed up, man. Yeah. You know, it said it basically was wrapped around her head and her upper neck, and her hair had been chopped off to less than three inches, which is odd. Yeah, because um, she had long brown hair. Yeah, her head. Yeah, there was a large bruise around her right eye like she had been punched, and then there was some, some uh, very suspicious bruising around her right cheek, right cheek and her right shoulder, which they assumed, uh, presumed could have been some kind of torture. Hmm. Um there were 20 various cuts in different lengths, depths, and directions on her neck. I mean, she was she went through some shit, dude. Yeah. Even though her trachea was cut, I mean, like transected, got all the way through. And then her lower right and left legs wrapped in about eight foot of saran wrap. They were like cut off at the knees and in the feet, and the feet are missing. But mm-hmm. those were also in the same bag. Now, bag number two, which is the bigger black duffel bag, which they said also was full of maggots and insects, um, was the chest, abdomen, and upper thighs uh, reportedly being like one piece. Uh, the thighs had duct tape around, like two layers around, and then a, a layer, one layer around right at the kneecaps. Uh, and it looked like uh, somebody had attempted to remove the legs at the hip and then kind of given up. I think it was like it was just too much work, maybe.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, the forearms, hands, her feet, and her left breast were all missing. Where her left breast was was a large eight by eight uh, square wound where the breast had been cut off. Um, There was a one inch cut right above where that was which they presume was just done for torture. And then on her back where she had a large tattoo that said Queen spelled K-W-E-E-N spade and then had a large spade in the center of it. Had uh had tried to be removed, they had actually cut a square or a rectangle all the way around it, but just never did fully remove it.
0: You think they were doing this, cutting her hair off and trying to remove the tattoo to conceal her identity? I do,
1: and uh, like you said, maybe her, that maybe she had a tattoo on her breast too. I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, that. we don't know. That's just speculation. I mean, why else would they? cut it off yeah i mean i don't know why somebody cut anybody up as far as that goes but
0: i feel like the if she had one a tattoo on the breast it would be easier to, to take the breast off and because especially against the one in on the back a flat surface yeah be harder yeah. to cut out
1: right so i don't know maybe they had they run out of time or whatever i don't know it's just kind of odd but yeah that would make sense of why that one was gone unless it was just i hate to say it was part of a torture thing because that would be awful yeah, but anyway, we do know that uh, some of this, even like when her feet were cut off, she was still alive.
0: Yeah, but it makes me wonder why behind this grocery store, this homeland grocery store. I don't know. It's I mean, a, it's
1: an odd place.
0: Yeah, it's like a shopping center. Several other stores in there, and several entrances and exits around this this little complex there.
1: And it's a fairly long way from where they think the murder occurred.
0: Yeah, but Which they. Get into. But they. Assumed that it, did, you know, it didn't appear like Karina was killed at the scene behind the store. What well, the
1: hell, no! You know yeah, that or
0: not? But rather, her remains had likely been disposed of there, which was probably chosen at random. What they were saying.
1: Yeah, but hell, it's it's a long way away. I don't know. It's just you think. I mean. I guess people say it's a busy place, but I mean, I've been going to my local gro- grocery store for however long, and I ain't never been behind it. No. So I mean. I don't know. Yeah, it's it's odd, but it's it's just weird. Yeah. You know they didn't do it there. I mean, what do you think? Somebody brought a damn box of saran wrap and a butcher knife and killed somebody in the backyard and put them in the bag right there? That wouldn't yep. make no sense at
0: all. But they did determine that the Karina, her remains, had been there for at least three or four days due to the decomposition that was already well underway. Yeah, pretty bad. But like we said, the identity of Karina was not known at the time, and the police would have to spend several days days attempting to id ID her remains. Right. And they had a pretty good idea from the start, and the following day on October the fourteenth, two thousand eleven, members of the Bethany Police Department met with Karina's family to ask for dental records. Right. And they did not allow the family to view the body, believing this would not help and at, this, at all, yeah.
1: At this point, which is another really awful ironic thing, is like her mother just didn't understand why they just couldn't go view the body. She even actually said it's not like she was dismembered or nothing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. She'd find out later mm, yeah. how bad it was. Yeah. But now, on the following day, October the 17th, 2011. It's Monday. Yes. Yeah. The police called Karina's family and asked them to meet at their home. And they told Karina's parents not to go to work that day and to meet them immediately. Yeah. And that day, police officials and a chaplain. Informed Karina's family and her loved ones that the remains had been positively ID'd as Karina Saunders, and that the rumors they heard about the gruesome nature of her remains were true. All true. Yeah. And this—this this was a parent's worst nightmare, dude. I'm telling you. And Karina's you. family would be subject to a type of anguish that no parent or family should even endure. Man. I know. It's awful. Yeah. But over the next several days, vigils would be held by Karina's family and not only her family members, but her friends. And some assembled in front of the Bethany Police Department to console one another, while others stood alongside the intersection holding up images of Karina. And a memorial was held that week at the local Nazarene church. This was the same one that Karina had attended with her mom in September. Long, you know, and, and she was later buried in her hometown Mustang Cemetery in a small plot near the back of the cemetery. Yeah. And her headstone featured a large butterfly. It's huge. Yeah, which was one of Karina's favorite symbols. Yeah. And the family believes it represents Karina in more ways than one, with her mother saying that butterflies have very short lives. Karina was 19. She didn't live long. We will be with Karina in heaven for much longer than 19 years. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and they still go out to the cemetery and just hang out there. Go yeah. out there and it with her. Yeah. It was uh, on that documentary. It was pretty touching.
0: Now, early on in this investigation, uh, one person of interest was named, and his name was Cody Perez. Now, Perez, he was an acquaintance of Karina's who was going to a local culinary school, and he was working at an olive garden at the time of Karina's murder. Right. But now get this, on the same day that Karina was reported missing on October the 10th, 2011, Cody Perez had decided to skip town. Yeah, He even pawned off his knife collection at, in Bethany, Oklahoma.
1: And decided just to split. Yeah, yeah. Leave, leave the area. So I'm assuming this is his work knives or something? Yeah. Because you're just not going to take a regular knife, unless it's a, an old collection or something to do with his uh, culinary skin.
0: Yeah, but, you know, culinary knives, you know, for... The uh, chef school pretty expensive. Right. Yeah. But um, rumor was that he had begun hitchhiking headed to the southwest, either Arizona or California. Hitchhiking. Yeah. How crazy is that? <laughs> what the hell? Perez was labeled a person of interest by the police. Yeah. And he was singled out for the numerous juggalo tattoos he had all over all over his body. Yeah. He was a juggalo, that's for sure. Yep, and local reporters were eager to link lyrics from the juggalo theme group Insane Clown Posse to the murder of Karina Saunders. Yeah, that's just barking up her wrong tree, if you ask me. Yeah.
1: You can't just you just pull lyrics out, you know, or the hatchet man tattoo and this kind of stuff and then think that's somebody who's chopping up because it's not.
0: Yeah. Now, Rachel Hope Laraway, this is... Perez's mother, she refused to go into specifics with the media, but she did state that Cody had gone missing and the police were eager to talk to him. Yeah, she
1: just said he just dropped off the face of the earth. Yeah. Mm.
0: But Cody Perez was later located in Arizona and he made contact with the Bethany police about a week or so after Karina's remains were found on October the 21st. And he claimed that his move out of state was purely coincidental and was related to a dispute he'd gotten into with another man.
1: Basically a squabble that had nothing to do with Karina.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Now, Cody Perez returned to Bethany, Oklahoma, and talked to the police. And likewise, the knives he had pawned off were tested by the police for any sign of human blood or anything. Well, come on,
1: man. If you would, you go, if you if went to kill somebody with your damn knives, would you take them to the bone shop?
0: If you're stupid. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you've got knives like you yeah, have, you're going to do something with you just dispose of them. Yeah. You, know, you just get rid of them. Yeah, bury them or something. I yeah. don't know. Don't take them to the bone shop. <laughs> but they did test them, and the test came back negative. Right, so he's pretty clear. And nothing Perez had said seemed to incriminate him in any way. And he was cleared of a suspect. Yes. But I don't know if anybody's ever really cleared. Are you? No, I don't think, pooh, I don't pooh, think anybody's pooh. ever really cleared. No. No.
1: Cleared for the time being.
0: Exactly. You just sort of put them on a back burner, but you're, right. you're not really cleared. And the FBI, they offered up their assistance into this investigation, which was headed up by the, the Bethany Police Department. Mm-hmm. Investigators would interview more than 80 witnesses over the next several months, many of whom were drug users and addicts. Yeah, strung out. Yeah, and they were people related to Karina and her social group, but slowly began to trickle out. Yeah. Now, Cody Perez, he was one of the first persons of interest cleared by the investigators, like I said, but was quickly followed by Kyle Savage. And this was the guy who had sent the the, text om- message. Yeah, the ominous message to yeah. Catherine. Right. And police stated that he had nothing new to offer to them, and he was cleared even after a single, just after a single interview. Right. And he continued to state
1: that the, the message was just coincidental. Yeah. yeah it it was, just didn't mean nothing. That's what he was saying. That's why I want to say I'd like to read the rest of it. I would love to read it. Yeah.
0: Now, police stated that they were able to track... This is
1: full of bad timing, ain't it? It is. This story.
0: Yeah. Now, police stated they were able to track Karina's last known whereabouts to the apartment complex that was near Northwest 41st and MacArthur Boulevard. And sometime later, they would discover closed-caption TV footage of her outside the Newcastle Casino, like we said. Right. Which pegged her last known whereabouts. October 8th. As of October 8th. Right. This was five days before her remains were discovered, and that gave investigators a, a, a timetable for her death.
1: So what this tells me, where's the damn red truck?
0: Exactly. I want to know where that red truck is. How hard would that be to find? Right. With it's, the brush grill and the, the roll bars <laughs> right. and the lights
1: on top. Four doors. I mean, it's not small.
0: No, it's not just an ordinary truck. Right. Now, the investigators would soon turn their attention to an address of 3500 South Harvey Street, mm-hmm. which was now an empty lot. They tore this house down, and coincidentally, the house that had been there was demolished on the same day that Karina's body was found.
1: Now, this house was uh, it
0: it a... Was, was, it, was, it was known as a drug house.
1: Yeah, it was, like, trashed. I mean, yeah. it was, like, spray-painted on the outside, even... Even the neighbors that went and spray painted a dope house on the side of it. Yeah. Because so, they knew what was going on in there. People just meeting there to get high and do whatever. And it was yeah. just trash and graffiti all over. So it's not like it was just a, a house that they were hanging out in. And it was, it was known
0: for the endless parade of violence and sex workers.
1: Yeah. So the guy who bought it, actually, he had bought it and had it for like six months before he he demolished it. But I think he bought it to demolish it, actually. Yeah. So... But anyway, they tried to find this guy too on this uh, thing we watched, but he never talked to him.
0: Yep, and police have been called to the house more than a dozen times, including at least once in 2010. This is when a sex offender attempted to commit suicide inside the house. Right. And in 2011, when someone attempted to set fire to the house.
1: Right. And I think that's when the people went and painted the stuff on the side of the house, and they was having the, they knew people, they were basically advertising what's going on in there, you know, and the neighbors painted house on the side of it and we got a picture of that we'll post it mm-hmm. and i think the the people were pissed off and then tried to set it on fire just to be that way
0: but despite you know the exhaustive search of that empty lot there you know where the house was right uh, nothing could be linked to karina saunders at the house no that once stood there
1: no they went back i think afterwards and when actually went over the grounds
0: and, and tried to dig up some
1: stuff but they never
0: found nothing no and results from Karina's autopsy would not be publicly released for several months after her death, uh, because investigators viewed the details of her death as being instinctively linked to their ongoing investigation. Right. When the autopsy was released, the death of Karina Saunders was classified as a violent death. When it was, which was labeled as a homicide on the official autopsy report.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of what we went through before.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Now, the pathologist that conducted the autopsy. Theorized that Karina had been drugged before her death, Dale. Right. And due to postmortem toxological reports from her liver, which came back positive for tramadol.
1: Which is a basically a non-narcotic. It's kind of like a man-made uh, pain reliever.
0: Yeah, yeah, used for like pain after surgery and stuff. Right. It's not opiate. It's man-made. Now, and it is a prescription drug, not something that someone can you know get easily. You yeah, know. you can't get it at the store. No, you have to have a prescription for it. Right. And, but back in 2011, before agencies started to crack down on opiate usage, it was fairly easy to get, and it was unknown how it ended up in Karina's body.
1: Right, because it's not like a really powerful, like, you know, Oxycontin
0: or whatever that kind of stuff. Yeah, but because of uh, the Karina's decomposition, pathologists were unable to obtain blood samples to confirm just exactly how much tramadol was in her body, Yeah, but it was there to some degree. Yeah, yeah, we're
1: talking about well, it was like five days later after she, was, she died or yeah. died. right?
0: Now, based on the circumstances, it was impossible to determine whether or not Karina had been alive when the brutal dismemberment took place. And it remained a possibility, but experts could not rule definitively one way or another. Hmm. And the findings from the autopsy were not released for close to a year as police wanted to build a case against their primary suspects. And the findings from the autopsy would provide the framework for their pending investigation, which was building itself around two suspects, both of whom would be charged less than a year after Karina's remains were found. Right. Now we're moving to May of 2012. Mm-hmm. And this is when a woman named Tia, no last name, was hanging out with a friend at the Bel Air Motel in Oklahoma. That sounds like a swanky place, yeah, doesn't man. it? man. Now Tia claims that when, they, when her friend named Luis went to the bathroom, she began looking through his phone. Mm-hmm. And in his videos, she found a grainy video that was showing the murder of Karina Saunders. Yeah, so it's has video. been
1: videoed, yeah. yeah.
0: Now, Tia knew Karina from prior run-ins, claiming that she had once been forced to babysit Karina on more than one occasion. Yeah, from her just
1: being so um,
0: messed up. Yes. Yeah. And she says that on a later occasion, a mutual friend had recalled him making remarks that threatened violence against Karina. Hmm. Yeah.
1: So we'll see.
0: Yeah. Now, according to Bethany Police Lieutenant J.R. Jinx, this video was incredibly graphic and showed the brutal torture and, and butchery of Karina Saunders. Yeah. And it was Lieutenant Jinx the, that was quoted saying in his affidavit, Tia said she watched this for this video for a few seconds until Saunders began to scream.
1: Yeah, he was, was cutting the foot
0: off. Yeah, and in this affidavit, jinx would later write that Tia's friend Luis was the person in the video cutting off the foot right. of Karina Saunders.
1: And actually, said he had cut off one and started to cut off her other one, and the saw broke.
0: Yes. Now it, I don't know. It was like a hacksaw.
1: Now this is a, you know, I don't know about this dude. He calls. If you're sneaking in somebody's phone, you got time to watch a video if you're going to the bathroom. It's kind of a weird story, but
0: yeah, I mean, I mean
1: you going to risk it. You know, I mean, I don't know what their actual relationship was, but you know, maybe she just bored, I don't know. But yeah. It's kind of a weird story. Yeah. Anyway,
0: now on July the 5th of 2012, two men were charged with the first-degree murder of Karina Saunders. 37-year-old Luis Ruiz who had been arrested a few days prior, charged mm-hmm. with shoplifting.
1: Now this is the guy with the phone. Yes. Yeah.
0: After entering custody, he found out he was being charged alongside a friend of his. This was 33-year-old Jimmy Massey, mm-hmm. who had been arrested the prior December for drug trafficking. Big country. Jimmy yeah. Massey. That was his nickname, Big mm-hmm. Country. Yeah. And both men had a number of priors, mainly related to drug offenses. However, their criminal record stretched... Outside of Oklahoma and made them prime candidates for Karina's murder. Hmm. Yeah. Now, according to statements gathered by Tia, this woman had looked at the phone, investigators detailed an alleged criminal organization headed by Ruiz and Massey, which dabbled in drug dealing, human trafficking, and potential murder. The two men were linked to a number of other acquaintances, including a man named Francisco Gomez that was arrested on the same day. He was later cleared of any wrongdoing in this case and was not charged with any crimes related to Karina Saunders. Mm. Now, in addition to Tia's testimony that she viewed a gruesome video on this cell phone belonging to Ruiz, another woman named Michelle came forward. Now, Dale, she claimed that she had been kidnapped by this Jimmy Massey and Ruiz and was forced to watch the murder of Karina Saunders. And she claimed that she escaped by jumping out of a window and later came forward to the police. Hmm. Now, according to this Michelle, her being forced to witness the brutal dismemberment and murder of Karina was a like a power move to them. It was showing her and others what happened to women that didn't play ball. Right, They wasn't doing what they wanted to do. Presumably, they were all to become victims of human trafficking and forced into some kind of... Uh, prostitution
1: right so there was a kidnapping people for human trafficking and then from some sex work yes this is the story
0: okay yeah now Michelle's testimony put the date of Karina's murder as October the 11th 2011 and stated that the murder happened in the now demolished home of the 3500 South Harvey Street like we talked about yeah the yeah the dope house now there were two inmates that shared a sale with Jimmy Massey and they would later claim that he confessed to involvement in this brutal murder of Karina. Yeah. And they seemed to validate the prior witness statement to a T and included details of how Massey had conspired with Ruiz to dismember Karina. Mm-hmm. Now, investigators finally seemed to be getting somewhere with this, and close to a year after Karina was—her remains were found, they now had multiple eyewitnesses providing incriminating statements about Jimmy Massey and Louie, Luis Ruiz. Yeah, and so they had some pretty tangible evidence yeah so they think yeah if
1: the any evidence is there yeah i mean i'm sure they took the dude's phone when they got him right i mean they would have to take the phone right i hadn't heard anything about that Mm-mm. they I mean, ain't heard anything about it no so did they take his phone did it not was it gone did they delete it who knows
0: yeah this was 2011 i just don't know how much stuff was backed up to the cloud back then oh, there wasn't no clouds in was it i don't know i don't know probably not Now, when Luis Ruiz and Jimmy Massey were charged with first-degree murder, it began spreading some panic there throughout Bethany, Oklahoma. Many that lived in and around this Oklahoma city had become familiar with the murder of Karina. It was one of the most brutal murders in the past decades. You think? Yeah, and it grabbed the attention of everybody, and they refused to let it go. Yeah, it was terrible. And police were telling the public that a human trafficking ring had been operating in the region which was potentially tied to some Mexican cartels.
1: Well, you know, once you start saying cartel, you know, that's some serious shit. Yeah,
0: you start locking yeah. doors.
1: And then this brutality it starts to make a lot of sense because yeah. uh, they don't play.
0: Yep, yeah. and as you can imagine, this caused quite a stir, man. I agree. Mm-hmm. And many were frightened not by the murders of Korean Saunders, but the things that the police and prosecutors were now telling everybody
1: right you know human trafficking sex slavery dismembered, all this stuff going on right here in your own little neighborhood
0: yeah i mean you know, you'd be afraid to go outside it's
1: kind of like stuff you see on tv is now happening right here in the neighborhood
0: yeah the I main the, the real the middle part of the united states right, right and some people begin to realize that things the investigators are saying seem to be based on more hearsay than actual evidence mm-hmm. and almost all the statements that have been supplied by people making these confessions, they can now pinpoint many of the witnesses themselves had issues of credibility.
1: Well, you know, they did say they were talking to a lot of drug addicts and people strung out. So
0: Yeah. And investigators continued to reach out, hoping to find evidence of this video that was found on Luis's phone. Supposedly. Yeah. They began searching through phones, cameras, and hard drives, mm-hmm. SIM cards and SD cards and other devices, you know, hoping to find footage of Karina's murder. And this was a footage that would sort of cement their case if they could find it, but unfortunately, as the you know the weeks and days began to drag out, uh, the suspects continued to languish in jail without any. Without bail. Without bail. The investigators began to learn there was no video existed. They couldn't find it anyway. Exactly. Yeah, they couldn't find it. And to make matters worse, their most credible witness, this was Tia. She changed her story, Dale.
1: Yeah. I'm just kidding.
0: Yeah. Instead of claiming that she had seen the video, she now claimed that she had just heard about the video from a friend of hers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Big, big difference. I just heard about it.
1: Yeah. I had a friend who had a friend who had a friend who had a neighbor who had a cousin that had an ankle. You know. Yeah. They saw it. One of them people.
0: Yeah. Now, in February of 2013, the case against Luis Ruiz and Jimmy Massey, it sort of fell apart. Yep. And at the beginning of the month of February, the Bethany Police Department asked for the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation to start overseeing the case. And in public, the Bethany Police Chief, Phil Cole, insisted that the case needed a new perspective. And while behind the scenes, the Oklahoma County DA, his name was David Prater, uh, he insisted that Chief Cole and his department relinquish control. Right.
1: Yeah, I don't think they were ass. I think they just took, well, they just took over because yeah. some shady stuff was going on
0: there. Yeah, which we're going to get into. Yeah. Now, later that February, uh, following the weeks of speculation, all charges against Luis Ruiz and Jimmy Massey were dropped due to the lack of evidence. And the investigators had been un- unable to find any linking evidence to them or Karina's death. Now, Luis Ruiz was released from jail having been held without bail for several months. Mm -hmm. And Jimmy Massey, on the other hand, would remain incarcerated uh, pending a trial for drug trafficking. And he would be later sentenced to a 10-year prison for possession and distribution of methamphetamines. Yep, selling them, selling that mess. Yep. Now, with the release of Luis Ruiz and Jimmy Massey from the police custody, the investigation had to start over. Yeah, basically, they're back to nothing. Yeah. And it was rumored that the Oklahoma County DA, David Prater, was the one who demanded the Bethany PD give up the case, mm-hmm. losing all faith in investigation abilities. Because you
1: know it made him look bad.
0: Yeah. Now this Captain Jack Jinks that we talked about a little bit ago, the man that had, you know, started up this uh Karina Saunders investigation, he was let go from the Bethany Police Department. Well, yeah. You know. Yeah. It was discovered that evidence was missing from the property room, yep. the police property room, and Jinx was identified as the most likely culprit. He was later charged with 11 counts of larceny of a controlled, dangerous substance. But just before the case went to trial, all the charges would be dropped. Imagine that. And more than a year later, Jinx was reinstated to the police force with back pay, and which... Yeah. Causing him to immediately retire with benefits and pension.
1: Right, so it's like this is something shady going on here. Exactly. Okay, what we're going to do, you can't come back, okay? But we can reinstate you with back pay. With back pay, and then you can retire, and that way you'll have all your your pension and stuff.
0: You have his big boatload of money.
1: Right. It's kind of like an NFL guy who goes back to his first team and re- signs for one day so he can retire with that thing. Yeah. So it's kind of something shady going on there. It's this, very there's shady. There's a lot of shady. Go ahead.
0: Now, in 2014, just a few months after uh, the dismissal of Jack Jinks, another Bethany police officer was terminated. This was Lieutenant Austin Warfield, another of the primary investigators. And he was let go following an internal investigation. He was the third officer let go in a very short period of time, and the second with an active involvement in the Karina Saunders murder. Hmm. But like Jenks, uh, this Warfield... Would eventually be reinstated through arbitration, but the Bethany Police Department had taken a huge PR hit. There, oh
1: yeah, nobody believing nothing coming out of there. No, they
0: ain't believing nothing coming out of them. In his 2014 lawsuit, Luis Ruiz specifically named Police Chief Phil Cole, Captain Jack Jinks, and Lieutenant Austin Warfield, claiming that in addition to them failing to uphold the law, they had quote employed deceptive, misleading, and manipulative and illegal acts to manipulate and fabricate the criminal case, unquote. Right. The lawsuit filed by Ru- Ruiz included claims of more than 10 civil rights violations and critiqued the manner in which the entire investigation had played out.
1: Yep. Well, they settled for, they, he got $50,000. Yes.
0: Out of that. But the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation would continue to explore the murder of Karina Saunders more than five years after her death. And the process of starting the case from the beginning, they had to focus on the people that was that surrounded Karina in their final days. And one of the names that kept coming up was this Kenny Richards.
1: Right. Yeah. This is the creepy 44, 40-something-year-old guy yeah. made up Taco Bell.
0: Yeah. Okay. Now, this Kenny, he was the older man. And he had a, a checkered relationship with Karina. And some had claimed that the two were involved in some kind of sex work, like we said, with him operating as a pimp. But now, if you think back, Dale, this Kenny Richards was one of the last people to see Karina. Yeah. Because he was the older guy that had uh, picked her up at the Taco Bell. Yeah. And he told police that Karina and him had hung out.
1: And then he dropped her off at that apartment complex.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Along Rockwell Avenue.
1: So that ain't nothing new. No. Well, if he was a pimp, he didn't do a very good job. He wasn't protecting her at all.
0: No, he wasn't. (laughs) And in March of 2012, Kenny had reported the death of another young woman. This was a 22-year-old exotic dancer who worked at the Oklahoma City nightclub. The name of the club was Night Trips. And her death was viewed suspicious by police. And it was believed that she endured some trauma before her death, but Richards was not charged with any involvement. Mm -hmm. Now, in January of 2013, a pair of anonymous tips were received by the Bethany PD, which claimed that Kenny Richards had killed Karina and then buried her clothing and personal items of hers on his property. Mm-hmm. In particular, one tip alleged that he had buried these items in a metal tank on a piece of property he owned from February 1995 to June of 2012.
1: Yeah, he had and, sold his place like less than a year after she died Yes, got out of
0: there. Now, these anonymous tips were filed by investigators but seemed to collect dust for a while, for the next couple of years, and the case sort of languished. It's crazy, man. And it wasn't until November of 2016, more than a decade after Karina's murder, the official interest in Kenny Richards was revived by the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation. Now, that month, a cell phone belonging to Kenny Richards was confiscated during a meth arrest. And a digital search warrant yielded a photograph of Karina and a picture that investigators had not yet seen. And details of this photo were never released to the public, but it seemed to spark some interest in the investigation. Just wonder what this photo is. Mm-hmm. And in April of 2017, police conducted several searches related to the tips they had received back in 2013 related to Kenny Richards and his property. Yeah. And they ended up finding several items of interest, as noted by the OSBI spokesperson, which included a woman's shirt, jacket, Sandals and some other junk and debris, right? And these items were all found buried on Kenny Richards' property inside an old septic tank.
1: Yeah, they, this was on that documentary as well. They went and dug up the backyard, they didn't find anything hardly. And then in the front, it's when they they were using like a uh over the ground radar sonar or whatever you call it,
0: penetrating radar. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then they found uh this tank and dug it up, and it was in the front yard. Mm-hmm. And uh, he talked to him and he's like, Well, I raised so many girls on this property, there ain't no wonder stuff's in there. I'm like, Okay, it'd be in the septic tank. I mean, it was an old septic tank, so I don't think it was one that was being used or had been used for a long time, so maybe it was just like a the metal tank in the ground, it was odd. Mm-hmm. But I don't, I don't think nothing come over
0: it. Yeah. But over the past couple of years, police have been turning their attention from previous named persons of interest to the mysterious individuals she was last seen with. Now, if you think back... What a damn truck. Yeah, this truck. That's what I want to know. Yeah. <laughs> The last known location of Karina was at this Newcastle Casino Gaming Center, mm-hmm. which is about 20 miles south of the location of where her body was found. And there, like we said, she was spotted on this closed-caption TV footage getting into this large red pickup truck on October the 8th of 2011, and shortly before police believed she was murdered.
1: Now, if you look at the map I just looked up, um, from 3500 uh, Harveyshire Avenue there, to the, the, that was the drug house. Yeah, the the casino is uh, approximately 14 miles north of that. You kind of go north and then, you know, a little bit over. So it's about 20 minutes north. So are we saying that this other place is 20 miles the other way?
0: It seems that way, yeah.
1: seems like a whole lot of driving. I don't know. It's just odd. I'm just trying to put stuff in perspective where it was.
0: Yeah, unless there's just other stops in between all that stuff.
1: So, well, I guess it makes sense. I guess would, they would if pick her up at the at the casino and mm-hmm. then drive 15 miles back to the house if that's where they went. And then they went way the other way to dump the body. Yeah, Kind of makes sense on that, That, that you know, but I don't know. It is kind of random and way out of the way. Mm-hmm. So it would be kind of like if I picked you up down here in town and come back to here and then took you up to Hickory or something. Yeah. Yeah, kind of weird.
0: Police have not been able to identify the only known man that was inside the truck. You know, like I said. I don't the, think, did he try? Yeah, the man with the sleeve tattoos.
1: We're going to try to figure it out, but we're not going to show anybody a picture. Of we're him. not
0: going to let it out, yeah. yeah. But it remains unknown how many details police have about these people. And it is now believed that the man or men inside the red pickup truck might be responsible for Karina's death. And it sounds like, you know, if anybody knows of this person or knows that truck, around Oklahoma City, you know, call somebody, call the police, call the OSBI.
1: So now you think I don't know, it's kind of a wild guess and this is nothing to do with anything that I've heard or anything. I'm just kind of brainstorming. Um, first of all, this girl hanging out at the casino. Well she didn't have no money. So you know she's either going there for drugs or for sex work. Yeah. So was this truck was this a place known to where you could pick up you drive through and pick up a date per se? Because if they're, there, if they're there to gamble, there's footage of them in the damn building. Now, the only place there wouldn't be is if they were just cruising the parking lot because they knew that people, you know, you can go there for that. Right. And I don't know this, and this is just just going to pop in my head because that's the only reason it would make sense that they wouldn't have any more footage of these people because if they ever stepped in foot, you can bet your ass there's there's video footage of those folks going in that oh, building. yeah.
0: This covered with cameras, man. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I do, it just... And just keeps eating at me that they, this has not been checked into. Or if it has, they definitely haven't tell, told anybody.
0: Yeah. They need to release that, that video of that truck. Right. Yeah, And then
1: go back and see, did they go in? Did they just drive through the parking lot? There's a lot of questions I got.
0: Yeah, I agree. Now, on the one-year anniversary of Karina's death, this was back in 2012, her family donated $4,000 to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Mm. And the money was raised via fundraisers started in Karina's honor and her loved ones have continued to make a charitable contribution in her name ever since. Some have uh, started scholarships for local high schools, and some begin to—small organizations meant that bettering lives for sex workers and those struggling with uh, substance abuse issues. Yeah, man, get them off the street. Now, as a lady, uh, Melissa Wagner, she was one of Karina's longtime friends, remembers Karina not only as a murder victim, but rather a real person whose wonderful, bright life was— tragically ended much too early though so it's it's a sad case man it's it's unsolved today it sure is yeah
1: now also you know there was a judy roberts that they were looking for and uh talked to her and uh, accusations basically was saying you know that her and uh Karina were using drugs together and hanging out and then they made their way to the newcastle casino before she went missing and also said that uh this roberts lady was really nervous because she owed the money to a lot of uh drug dealers and they thought basically it was some stolen stuff from cartels so she was kind of freaking out about this stuff too and actually she had called somebody and this guy a mexican guy showed up at her house and wanted to talk to her and stuff and there was a lot of how scary is that yeah it's kind of like ozark you know right Mm -hmm. so the you know there were a lot of people saying that they thought that maybe uh the cartel had thought that Karina was her daughter and had this judy roberts yes and had nabbed her because of the money teach her a lesson teach her a lesson now whether this is all speculation of course but it is part of the story Mm -hmm. and uh, they did hang out and go now uh this uh judy's uh, daughter had actually said that the two went to the casino together and hanging out while judy's story was that she dropped off Karina at the front door and she walked in while she turned went another way and never saw her again Mm -hmm. so who knows what's really going on there's a lot of stuff going on that we don't know but i thought it was important to add that part anyway
0: yeah, there's a lot of stuff that the police had not released on this man. There's a lot of
1: stuff they released, a lot of stuff they don't know. And then, actually, we watched another documentary, you and I, um, about this lady named Becky Long. Mm-hmm. And uh, she is claiming that her dad was the Oklahoma City butcher who was a serial killer who killed... Three th- women. Three women that would have been about 10 years prior to this.
0: They were like Native American women. Right,
1: but they had all been cut up wrapped up in plastic had her hair cut i mean all the everything was basically the same
0: as Karina, yeah
1: right and so this lady had uh had been with her dad supposedly when she was really young and then after he passed away she had really had to have a lot of psychiatric psychiatric help you know and go and talk to some people about some stuff that was being unlocked in her mentally anyway long story short and you can go watch it on youtube um she she thinks that maybe her dad was the one who killed her, mm. being that everything was the same. And basically, he worked really near, you know, some of the stuff and was always kind of in that area. Yeah. Now, we'd have no proof of none of this stuff except for what she says. And a lot of stuff she says makes sense. But, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Everybody else is kind of, you know, and it it might have, could have been, he could have snuck in there and done it while everybody's looking at the Mexican cartel and looking at these other two guys. And they never even, because they were pretty much focused on these two dudes, and that was it, you know, Yeah. especially at the beginning. And also uh, on the other documentary we watched, they found a big country. He was now living in Texas with a family and straightened up and brought him in and he actually came in and talked to him and uh, he said he didn't have nothing to do with it he really didn't even know this girl and yeah. actually took a lie detector and passed it it's jimmy
0: massey yeah. yeah so yeah i think he is living in Texas and, and teaching self-defense or something yeah being a f- uh, former uh military guy yeah yeah so
1: this thing is really confusing it's a really uh, tragic and brutal death
0: and you know of a young girl we really never had a chance to do anything but now on the five-year anniversary of uh, this investigation back in 2016 the Oklahoma State Bureau of Investigation they announced a $10,000 reward for any information leading to Karina's killer yeah. being identified. Right. And this was followed up just a few months after that in, in September of 2018 uh when an anonymous donor announced a, fi- a $50,000 reward. Mhm. And but this reward had a time has, limit, yeah. It expired. He gave a one-month deadline for someone or anyone to come forward with this rumored video of Karina's murder. Yep. And the email there. Yeah,
1: he gave their, it, an email address. Was, Don't be was don'tbeacoward13 at com. Yeah. And uh, he would give $50,000 for anybody who sent that video. And if no video ex- uh, existed, he would offer $30,000 for the identity of the killer. Yeah. And the reason he said he put a timeline on it is because he knew if, if it was a timeline, people knew they would, you know, come ahead and uh, come forward. Yep. But nothing, nothing ever came of it.
0: And also, uh, the face of Karina Saunders continues to linger in the area on several unsolved crime posters and flyers. It also haunts prisoners in the state of Oklahoma, mm-hmm. as Karina is the queen of spades in the Oklahoma cold case card deck. Right which hopes to inspire some convicts and other inmates
1: yeah they they're, they're thinking is maybe somebody else here and they'll know something and come forward with it Yeah, but, just, but uh to this day nothing yet
0: nothing but it's still unsolved today and this family needs some justice for the, this girl man
1: yeah it's really sad
0: yeah this truck at this casino they need to they need to release that photo yeah our video, whatever they got.
1: That's the one thing, man, that really bothers me about this. Well, I mean, ain't the one that bothers me, but it's just, you know, because we're, we're a stickler for details, and that's just like, what the hell's going on with this truck? I know. Tell me something.
0: Yeah. And this guy with the sleeves It's just not something... This would stand out. Yes. Somebody would know this. Well, you'd think. Yeah.
1: You know that, or the people was in the car going, don't get in that truck. Why are they saying don't get in the truck? Apparently, they know something. Yeah. You know? Maybe they were sex workers that had been in that truck before or had seen that truck before or the guy knew that he was bad news
0: that's what i was thinking you know but i don't know but if anyone knows any information on karina saunders please let someone know contact the osbi they can call 1-800-522-8017 or you can email your tips in to tips at osbi.ok.gov yes all right bud we're gonna get out of here all right, let's row. We want everyone to be safe. Please be careful and always be aware of your surroundings.
1: Because the next episode could be about you.
0: This is the, the Crack House Chronicles. Chronicles.